Designated Driver with Celestian. Hi there. Welcome to Headliner Radio. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Is this Alice? Yeah, this is Alice from Headliner. Um, how are you coping? What have you been doing with yourself to entertain yourself? Wow, that's a big question. Um, you know, it is just, uh, we're all taking it one day at a time, I think, you know. Um, you're gearing up now towards what is typically, you know, the season where, where people are out on the road and playing shows. And I was actually going to be on tour myself. So obviously none of that's happening. Um, staying productive, staying creative, doing my work, and then being a good dad, you know, and, and um, trying to make sure that she keeps learning and, and keeps reading and like, you know, getting ready for the next grade next year, because it doesn't look like they're going to go back to school. So, you know, it's a crazy time. Uh, I don't know what else to say. You know, it's just, it's a crazy time, but we're just taking it one day at a time. And, and we're grateful that we're together. We've been um, mostly writing and recording and working on new songs. We had shows scheduled for um, April and May. Um, for the last two years, we've just been putting out singles every few months, just as a kind of an alternative way for people to digest music. It's cool. I dig it. But I, I also, I'm still a fan of bodies of work. I mean, I'm, I'm like an old school uh, album guy. You know, I collect vinyl records. Every day I wake up and put on a record for my daughter and I, and you know, we listen to records. For the people that want it, I want to be able to share that as well. So I'm working on a body of, I don't know yet whether it's going to be an EP or it's going to be a full LP. One way or another, in the next you know few months, we're definitely going to release something more substantial. So uh, that's kind of what my focus is on right now, is just getting everything together, getting the songs that are recorded mixed getting artwork together and, you know, continue the mission of just sharing, sharing music, you know, it, it's a little weird because the state of the world is just so uh, crazy right now. But everyone that I've talked to really, really, you know, has been encouraging me to put out more music because people love music and they love the distraction of it. And, and I do too. You know, I'm a fan of music, you know, before I am a musician, a maker of music. So I, I love hearing new music and getting lost in it. So, um, you know, as long as it feels appropriate to do so, I, I will definitely be releasing something more substantial very soon. Music really runs in your family, right? Your sister, Christina, um, she wrote that amazing song herself, Jar of Hearts. So um, who's older out of the two of you and who went first when it came to getting into music? Great question. Um, yes, you heard correctly. Um, my sister is Christina Preferi. She's uh just such a lovely, uh, talent, uh, you know, great person. And, um, we grew up, uh, so I'm, I'm two years older and, uh, she's my younger sister okay. and we grew up not necessarily people think that like, we must've had like, you know, musical parents and had music on all the time growing up. And it really wasn't the case. Um, you know, my dad's a barber, my mom's a hairdresser. And I would say that they're casual music band at best you know just very casual not obsessed with music um my dad like likes cars and you know old, old classic cars and stuff like that uh, we weren't really exposed to it in a big way until i want to say like you know i was maybe 12 years like adolescent 12 12 years old my, my aunt my mom's sister um gave me a couple cassettes it was you know cassettes it was the early 90s so she gave me uh Pearl Jam 10, first Pearl Jam record, and ACDC Highway to Hell, 
on cassette. And when I heard those two albums, it, it absolutely changed my entire life. And it's still, you know, however many years later, almost 20 years later, I'm still on this path that was that was set in motion then at that moment in time that was like the turning point of my whole life i immediately started playing guitar and um started chasing this thing and it just was a weird thing that i i can't really explain how it happened but you know i i was i started playing guitar at age 12 and by age 15 i was gigging four or five nights a week and by age 16 i'm like signing a, a you know multi-million dollar deal with Clive Davis and it just like it happened really fast and um it is crazy I I call it joining the circus so like I joined the circus at 16 and I'm still in the circus um but my sister was um you know doing kind of normal adolescent school stuff but she I think she was really watching and um and she started getting the music bug she fell in love with the Beatles. I mean, she found, um, I think John Lennon really was her first big inspiration. And she started writing songs. And when I would come off the road, um, you know, I'd show her, you know, a couple chords here and there. But I can't really take credit for teaching her music. She really taught herself. But I, she was definitely, I think, inspired by what she saw me doing. And then um, from that moment on, we just have both always done it. You know, and she um, she definitely had a big, big break, which are parts. I mean, it's like a one, one in a million thing, you know, to have that. She had a, had that song on a TV show, and um, overnight became the highest selling independent artist of all time um, in one night, and um, kind of the, the the rest is history. So uh, that was definitely a incredible thing, and she's um, you know just an incredible artist and doing, doing well. She, she's a mom now, so she's kind of in mom mode and we're just enjoying the ride. Guitar and songwriting, they really go hand in hand for you, don't they? So even though you may be able to now, so correct me if I'm wrong, you can't read music, but um, it didn't stop you with when you first started writing songs and doing that kind of creative process. Absolutely. I've never, I've never, um, I mean, you know, very early on uh, when I played in like the high school band and stuff, you know, I was, learning a little bit of music, but, but, but no, I mean, like I, I really learned from listening to records and, and, um, you know, figuring out what my heroes, you know, my favorite musicians and songwriters were doing just by listening to records and, and kind of picking up and, and learning from actual songs. Um, and, and I've just always, uh, kind of played by ear. And, um, as far as songwriting, it's just like, one of those things where, you know, from the first day I got a guitar and I didn't even, you know, I couldn't in any way, shape or form tell you I, I knew what I was doing, but I just, my ear somehow wanted to hear certain things. I would just move my fingers until I found, you know, the chords to, to make that sound. And um, I, I, the very first day, I'll never forget it. The very first day I actually had a guitar in my hand. Uh, I wrote a song and of course it was absolutely terrible, uh, rubbish, right? Uh, but, um, but I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And, and, um, it's still one of my absolute favorite things to do, um, is just to sit down and write a song. I mean, it's a, a really beautiful thing. I'm grateful for it every day. It's a gift. I feel like, you know, I, I able to tap into something that's perhaps beyond me 
and um, and bring something to life that wasn't there prior, you know, uh, whatever that may be, uh, whatever mood that might capture or whatever thing. You know, every artist has a different approach. Some people, you know, they sit down with an intent to like, okay, I'm going to write this. I'm going to do something like this. That's not really how it works for me. I'm kind of just like, I feel like I'm a conduit. Um, and whatever's going to come through comes through. And then I kind of sort it out later, you know, like I'll sit and I'll write any song about any subject in any tempo or feel or key and, and just get it out for what it is. And then I'll decide later, does this fit in with what I'm doing with what I want to do? Is this something to worthy of pursuing for my own artistic thing? And if it's not, then sometimes I might give that song away to someone else or, you know, send it to someone to use for a commercial or, you know, some, something that's not outside of, you know, or, or something that is outside of my own kind of artistic um, uh, statement, I guess you could say. So I really just try to capture them when they come and um, and hold on, you know, because it's, I don't know where they come from. They just, they sometimes they just come. So. Yeah. We are obviously a natural songwriter then if they sort of just come to you. Um, so what are your inspirations for your songs and has that changed over the years as you've grown up? That's a great question. Yes, it has changed. I mean, I think, think I mean, I don't know if it's true for everybody, but at least for me, my, my personal tastes have, have been evolving um, constantly. And, and yet there's some things that haven't changed. Like, you know, Pink Floyd is my favorite band of all time. From the moment I first heard dark side of the moon um you know almost 20 years ago to today they never changed never stopped being my, my favorite band like that's just something about the mood and the vibe and the and the feeling it's 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 about it's all about the feeling it's about the feeling that we get when we hear something right that's what i'm chasing it's not necessarily wanting to sound like somebody or or wanting to copy somebody, it's about the feelings. But like that feeling that I get when I listen to Pink Floyd, it's like part of me wants to give other people that that same feeling. So uh, that's one of the things I, I, you know, not look for, but it's like a criteria. Like when I'm writing, it's like, okay, is what feeling is it portraying? And, and not that it always has to be that feeling, but but there is that is a big part of it. Um, you know, and I love Eric Clapton and Cream and um, Jimi Hendrix and, um, you know, I mean, old blues stuff. And, and it's kind of a mixed bag, you know, because I, I also love Radiohead and, and kind of more emotional, ambient, you know, stuff, too. So it's it's all over the place. But it's I, I would say the common thread is is. um music that's that's very emotive you know that that causes an emotional reaction um obviously the beatles that's like whenever i'm stuck you know i have to have this beatles book and whenever i'm stuck you just all right you open the beatles book and then you just you get unstuck same thing yeah and same same thing with bowie you know like i'm a huge bowie fan and and uh same thing like you open the bowie book and you're unstuck so yeah and do you have a favorite Beatles song that is a bit unfair of a question to be fair isn't it you know it's a tough question but I do have an answer uh I do I've thought I've thought about it a million times and um maybe it's not what you expect I I don't know but 
uh, it, it would be on Abbey Road, and the name of the song is Because. Oh, no, that's a lovely um, song. So simple, isn't it? It is just, it's like devastatingly beautiful. It gets me every time. Like, I, I actually, you know, it, it could make me weep if I really get into it. It's just, just so beautiful. That's absolutely, there's no doubt, that's my favorite. So, um, so on to yeah. your great songs as well. So uh, I know we briefly spoke about this earlier. So whole, whole Lot of Money. I can't say that in an English accent. It just doesn't sound good. Whole Lot of Money. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Whole Lot of Money. Whole Lot of Money. Stop doing accents immediately. That's terrible. But I'm just going to play a bit of this now so everyone can hear it and then we'll chat about it after. Wonderful. great track and you can really tell your influences from that can't you from what you've spoken about today well thank you i appreciate it that's one of those songs that's just like i have no idea and my manager's like man it would be really great if you could write like 10 more of them and i'm like i don't know how to write 10 more of them like that (laughs) one i have no idea where it came from and uh it just it it appeared one day in my in my lap and it was like the song wrote itself in five minutes and I, i i don't you know, again, like I just, I don't know where it came from. It just, it just came. You wrote it in five minutes and it, has it been one of your most successful tracks then with the band? It has. Absolutely. There's no question. I actually was just, uh, I just texted my manager because I was, so I get sent on Instagram. I get sent, you know, kids like, you know, they, that song in particular, like people have covered it hundreds of times. So last night, just last night, I got four people from around the world. I don't, I don't even know where they're from. I don't know who they are, but they just send me, they'll tag me in videos of them playing the song, covering it. You know what I mean? And it, and it happens every day of the week, but, but last night, you know, four of them came in at the same time. And it's just like, it's just so crazy to me. Like how cool I'm very, very grateful and humbled by it. You know, I don't, I don't like, you know, it's surprising to me, I guess, you know, it's, it's, it's just cool. You know, there's a song called white noise, which is like, you know, on the polar opposite end of, of the spectrum of that, you know, which is very kind of Floydian and, and psychedelic and yeah. Beatlesy with the harmonies and it's very different. But that song, you know, there are people who are just like, that's their favorite song, you know? Um, so you can't really predict, you know, uh, what people are going to like. And, and, and as an artist, I've learned to not try because that like, you, you, it's, a, it's a losing battle. You know what I mean? Like for me, it's just like, I have to make art that is exciting and inspiring to me and just, uh, hope that it connects with somebody. Um, because if you try to like write something for a purpose, I feel like it ends up coming out contrived and, and, um, you know, you can't predict it anyway. So it's like, uh, you know, might might as well just do what like you enjoy and then hopefully that translates. 
Yeah, exactly. Because otherwise you're like some mass marketed machine with a formula trying to just put out a similar version again and again. But um, that's not what pe- what resonates with people, is it? They like something that's different from something else or something that surprises them. A new song by someone they'd never heard of, for instance. It's just got something, like you said. You don't know what it is, but you hear a song and you know it, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you look at like Radiohead's career. It's like, you know, they've continually taken chances and followed what was inspiring to them mm. and put out masterpiece after masterpiece, you know? And it's like... Um, I love that, you know, yeah. uh, you know, there's always exceptions though. <laughs> and ACDC obviously is the biggest exception probably of all time because they do one thing yeah. and everybody wants them to do that one thing. And people would be so sad if, if all of a sudden they put out like this jazzy, you know what I mean? Like that, I feel like is one of the only exceptions in the world, Yeah, you know? Uh, but other than that, it's like, you know, I really dig the, um, you know, I love Lenny Kravitz as well. And it's just like, you know, I, I love the variety and the catalog and, and, um, you know, he, he does his own thing and I respect it. And that's what I want to do. And you've also, you've got a song. Another one is let you know, which is really different, um, from a whole lot of money. Um, so we're just going to play a little bit of that one just to hear the difference here. Right on your a different vibe isn't it from the other song so what was the kind of inspiration behind this song and did you write it in five minutes as well or did it take a little bit more time you know what you're gonna think i'm a liar but i did it was another five minute song so, i mean obviously they're not all like that white 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 noise was like it took that song was years years of work um to get it finalized but it just so happens a whole lot of money and and let you know we're both five minute songs um and when they come like i said when when they come like that you know you got to pay attention because there's a flow that starts happening so um i was sitting and i I had a guitar in my hand and kind of dialed in this guitar sound and that's not not the only way but it is one way that i i do find inspiration I'll, i'll chase a certain sound and maybe I'll be playing with knobs and pedals and amps and all kind of gear and just tweaking and making weird sounds. My wife probably thinks I'm, you know, out of my mind in my studio, like making spaceship sounds and stuff. But, um, you know, I'll chase this sound that's in my head for whatever reason, and then I'll find it, and then I'll just start playing something. And, and if it really is, you know, inspiring and, and like, really sparks something, then that's, like, mm, the faucet is on and the idea starts flowing so once i had the sound dialed in i just lyrics started coming out and the whole thing just started coming out and it was written in a, in literally minutes um and for me that one and like i always from the moment it came out and you know this is the case sometimes as well as like i'm such a big fan of movies <clears throat> excuse me thoroughly here i got a little frog in my throat um I'm, I'm, I'm such a big fan of movies and cinema and, uh, and the visual aspect that goes along with, with, um, 
music. Um, you know, like I even remember being young and, and like really diving into, uh, music videos. I mean, it was still kind of like a new thing. Uh, well, you know, it wasn't the, it was the nineties, the, the but you know, there were stations that were popping up. Like I remember VH1 and I'll never forget when I, when VH1 came on TV, like the first thing I saw was this Tom Petty, um, video i'm trying to remember the name of the song uh, you don't know how it feels and the video is like in a rotating like uh like something is oh my god i haven't seen it in years but it's like there was a, a set like almost like a house that was rotating mm. um it was a really cool video and, and ever since then like i just remember and obviously like watching the michael jackson stuff and like thriller and like i've always really been into it so uh when i'm not all the times, but sometimes when I'm writing, as it's happening, it's like I'm getting images in my head. I'm getting flashes of things, and I don't know why. I just start writing down and taking notes. So like with that one, I don't know why, but the moment that it was flowing, I just kept seeing this kind of Stanley Kubrick thing in my head. Um, and there's this, um, obviously, it's a legendary film, uh, 2001, um, Space Odyssey. and uh, you know, there's this moment, they call it the Stargate sequence, where he's like traveling through space and time and like this wormhole, right? And so I did a lot of research about this and tried, I wanted to know how he did it, how he did that effect and what it was called. And, um, you know, they were using film back in the day. So I, I kind of wanted this to be a little tip of the hat to that because I haven't seen anything like it. And that movie came out in the late sixties um, and they did it on film, which is just mind blowing. Um, but I haven't really seen anything like it since. So I, I kind of wanted to, you know, perhaps show um, a younger generation that, that visual thing that had such an impact on me. Um, I, I just kind of wanted to tip my hat to it. So I called my friend, um, Mark Melchior, who is a former bandmate of mine, he was in my first band called Silvertide, and, and um, he's an incredible graphic designer, animator. Um, and I said, dude, is there any chance that we could, you know, kind of do our own version of this? You know, I don't necessarily want to copy it. Um, I don't want to rip it off. I just want to do something inspired by it. And and so we put our heads together, and it, it took, you know, a long time. It took, I don't know how many we work on it for months. Um, but we were able to get something that I thought, you know, did the job and was psychedelic. I, I you know, I'd love psychedelic stuff. I, I'm again, probably going back to the pink float thing, but it's like, you know, I think it's so cool to be able to just like, you know, tune into something and just like have your mind blown. Like, I, I love that. You know, I, I want, I want that, you know, so I, I have no, um, reservations about trying to do something ambitious and and far out you know you've obviously got quite a lot of creative control as well over all your projects haven't you because you can kind of dictate i've got this crazy idea for the video what about this what about this you're correct and there's pros and cons that come with that so as of right now you know the the band is you know we're 100 percent independent and i've been signed many times over the years and and um you know, there's pros and cons with, with partnerships um, of any kind. And that's, that's just kind of the nature of reality. You know, there's, there's always compromises when you're, when you're in a, a partnership with anybody, whether that's a person or it's a corporation or a business, whatever it is. Um, and that's not to say that, 
they're they're all bad. They're can be wonderful, and but there's always compromises, and sometimes those compromises lead to incredible things. But sometimes those compromises destroy and just kill, you know, whatever the endeavor is. Um, and I've been in, in situations with both, so um, I'm not in any way opposed to, you know, the idea of a partnership with somebody in the future. Um, you know, but at the moment the band's independent and I'm kind of just able to do exactly what I want to do, um, with no one telling me I can't, which is, which is cool, but there's, you know, limitations to that. And it's, it's obviously an insane amount of work because I'm essentially like running a record label, you know, and, you know, leading a band and writing and directing videos and songs and producing. And, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot, um, so, like I said, pros and cons, but it's it's where we're at right now. And definitely, as you just pointed out, the, the definite pro is that I can kind of do whatever I want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one's telling me I can't, which is cool. You're obviously massively into guitars, of course. I know you had your own um, guitar brand for a few years, but then you um, you know stopped doing that to focus on your music. So you're a Gibson user, aren't you? So I was wondering, could you just take us through your guitar rig? When I was a teenager... Um, I, 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 and it's going to be too long and boring to tell you the whole story, but I somehow, you know, through, through, um, uh, you know, obviously uh, the stuff I was listening to, but through friends and whatever was logistical as well, uh, I kind of got pointed and, and directed and found myself on the path of like, you know, kind of the classic Gibson Marshall, uh, setup, you know, and, uh, there's a reason there's, there's definitely a reason why it's become, you know, an iconic pairing, you know, and you go back and you listen to, you know, Eric Clapton's cream, you know, with a variety of Gibson guitars and those, you know, crank Marshalls. And it's just, that's it. That's like the sound that almost in my experience, everything else tries to emulate that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and this is going to try to emulate this at a below, at a quieter volume, or this is going to try to emulate this at, you know, in, in a different way that, you know, so, you know, I spent years on that path and then I kind of started taking detours and, and started doing some different things, chasing some different sounds. Um, and I ended up in a lot of interesting places, but, uh, I would say maybe about two years yeah, about two years ago, like right around the time that I started this band, I was I was listening to vinyl records and and I actually put on a Cream record, live Cream, and um, I heard this song called Sleepy Time Time, which is uh, from the first record, Fresh Cream, but this was the live version, and I just had my head, you know, my my mind was blown again, like I was sixteen, you know, I had that feeling, and it was like holy shit, I this is it. This is like, this is where I have to go back to, back to my roots. It was a very strong calling. And again, because my writing a lot of times is inspired by the sounds that I'm getting out of my guitar and out of my rig. Um, it's actually a, a big decision, you know, because it, it, it's, it's going to change everything. And I knew that and I, and I was ready for it, ready for the change. And so I'm back to the simplest rig and simplest approach that I've had 
in years and years and years, very similar to where I started, you know, which is basically a couple of, you know, Gibson guitars, um, Les Paul, Paul SG, 335, um, you know, and, and really, really loud, you know, old Marshalls. So that, that to me is, is, I call it the Holy Grail tone, you know, that's just like, it just does a thing and it's so inspiring and so simple. And, uh, you know, I sold an unbelievable amount of stuff and kind of just, you know, I felt lighter afterwards. I was just like getting rid of stuff I didn't need and really simplifying everything. And, and beautifully, it actually like made me more creative because I didn't have like, I don't know anything in the way. It was really just like, all right, now I'm going to like plug in my guitar and like, and play, you know? So it kind of inspired me all over and in a different way. And especially now as, you know, the front man of this band and the singer and like, you know, it's really nice to just have a simpler setup. And when I get on stage, you know, focus on delivering the songs and, and telling the stories and, um, and singing without worrying about, you know, 10,000 things I have to do up there other than just close my eyes and sing and play. Yeah, sure. A lot of the maybe extra stuff it really allowed you to hone in on what you did have left and just focus on, you know, what you're meant to be up there doing, you know, singing and playing. Yeah, absolutely. You just <laughs> see, you're good. You, you, you just said it in, in five seconds. It took me five minutes. <laughs> we like you to elaborate. We like to hear it in your words, not mine, luckily, for everyone. <laughs> Well, I appreciate it. That's, that's a good question. And, and, and just to um, retouch on, on one of the things that, that you um, asked, you know, uh, it, it is a huge honor. You know, I grew up, you know, as a fan of Gibson Guitars and Angus Young and Slash and Clapton, like all these guys had, you know, Gibson Guitars and um, to be working with them now is super cool. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Um and I'm, I'm doing stuff with them. You know, I'm scoring this 15 part documentary, um, that they're doing called the process, which is on a new network. They launched called Gibson TV. So I'm actually, you know, providing all the music that's underneath this documentary, um, which has been a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm working directly with them and, um, obviously, you know, playing the guitars that I grew up with and loved and, and so I, I'm definitely excited about that and to be part of that family. And um, so, yeah, definitely uh, grateful for everything that's happening in that, in that, you know, world. And I know that you're, in terms of Celestian, you're a Greenbacks 10 and 12 inch um, sort of user. So I was just wondering if you can sort of take us through your Celestian journey. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when you think of Marshall, I mean, not only Marshall, of course, orange as well, but, but, um, when you think of Marshall, the classic tone, it's a greenback, you know, there's no other way around it. It's the standard. It's the gold standard of tone is a loud Marshall amp through a Marshall, you know, cab with Celestian greenback. So that's, that's where I started. That's the whole silver tide record. And, and, um, even when I was playing other amps, um, and had a di- much different you know, guitar rig and an approach to a rig. I had a stereo rig and all these pedals and all this stuff, but one constant, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, probably the only constant in my entire career, uh, has been my use of selection speakers. And most of the time, 95% of the time, um, 
it's been greenbacks, um, either 10 inch or 12 inch, usually 12. Um, but I will say this: I just made an incredible discovery. I'm going to give away my secret. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I, I just, I just made an incredible discovery. So the last time that I was on the East coast, which is where I'm from, I'm from Philadelphia. The band is from Philadelphia. Um, I've married a California girl. So I, I've, you know, I'm kind of been bi-coastal for a while because we live in California, but I'm always in Philadelphia working with the band and so I'm back and forth a lot. So the last time I was in Philadelphia, we were preparing for these shows. We had two shows at the Fillmore, um, supporting a band called the Struts, who are wonderful. Um, and, uh, so I was in rehearsal and, and, uh, one of our techs and dear friends, uh, he's a great dude. His name is, um, Andrew, but we call him doc. He's like the doc, you know, so he's all got all the gear and he, uh, you know, helps us, helps to run the rehearsals and the PA and the whole thing. And and he does a variety of things, uh, very kindly and very proficiently. So he came to rehearsal with this Marshall cabinet and and it didn't have greenbacks in it. It had four Celestian blues, Alnico blues, which are typically and very famously speaker that was used in the Vox AC 30 in the sixties. It's like, that's like the sound of the Beatles and, and, and so many other, you know, Brian May queen, right. Yeah. That works with a Celestian Alnico blue. It's a very specific sounding speaker. It does a thing and it kills and does it really well. Um, but they're always typically in twos in, in, like I said, usually AC thirties. So he had wired up this cabinet, this four twelve cabinet, with four of them. And I've never heard anything like it. I plugged my Marshall JTM 45 in this cabinet. And I went, Oh my gosh, this is like, I don't know, drinking from the well, like the fountain of youth. It just, I don't know. It filled me up and I just felt invincible. And it was like, that tone is just, I got goosebumps and I couldn't believe it. So, um, one of my things to do next is build have like this because it just blew my mind. Um, it was very, very cool. And actually there are some videos that I posted. Um, actually they're on YouTube as well. Like if you go to the underground thieves, uh, YouTube page, Mm. there are videos from the Fillmore, uh, from, from those shows. And you you can hear that's, that's the cab I was using. I mean, it's obviously in the live setting like that, a little bit harder to tell Mm. because it's a live, you know, live recording. Um, and, uh, but I, I'd really like to get probably the next album, you know, the next group of studio recordings will be done with this so I can let people really hear it under a microscope because it's, uh, just incredible. And I've never quite heard anything like it. Wow. Yeah. Well, you can tell you're not lying. So you're really passionate about it. Yeah. It's so cool. I, I get, I get all excited. I'm such a geek. Um, I don't like it when you see musicians on stage and they look really bored. Think, come on. <laughs> Are you supposed to be enjoying it? Yeah, no, I can't. Uh, there, I will never be in danger of that. Like, I live for this stuff, and, and uh, I love playing. I love performing. I love writing, and I love chasing sounds. And I, I couldn't be more into it. You know, it's just, I, I I feel like I didn't choose it. Somehow, some way, it chose me, you know? Because um, whatever bug I have, I just, it's a, it's a lifelong thing. And, and even when former bandmates and contemporaries, peers of mine, you know, uh, from back in the day, I've been doing this a long time. I mean, I, 
you know, I'm still a young guy, but I, I, I guess I started very young. So yeah. it feels like I've been doing it a long time. Um, and I guess I have, um, but I just, I can't imagine doing anything else, you know? And, um, that's not to say I, for someone who, who decided to maybe go on a different path with their life that I would in any way look down on that. I think everyone has their own path and, uh, I, you know, respect and admire anybody who's, um, following whatever it is in, in their head and their heart that they want to do. But for me, it's just, you know, I can't, I can't do anything else than this. This is what I'm here to do and be a good dad. Those two things. Everything is up in the air. Our, our whole model of society, our whole, what we all collectively thought this is the way things are is upside down. And, you know, I look at her and she smiles. She's so blissfully unaware is nothing has changed for her. She's just happy to be alive and happy to be, you know, here hanging out with her mom and dad, you know, playing with her toys. And like, it's, it's just, you know, you can get so, uh, it can be so heavy, right? Like what's happening in the world. It's very heavy, but you look at a child, it doesn't even have to be your own. It could, could be any child. And you just see like, this is what we're fighting for. This is, this is what it is. It makes it all worth it. It's just it's so innocent, so pure, and so beautiful. And we can't we can't lose sight of that as a as a people, you know. Yeah, that is such a wonderful way to look at it, and I think the perfect point to end uh, this chat on. And it's nice to hear that you're still being creative and you know having a lovely time at home with your family during this really weird time. Well, thank you. I I do appreciate it. I enjoyed the chat. You've been uh, a gracious host, which I appreciate, and. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, have me and help uh, spread the word of, of uh, you know, who I am and, and the music and all that stuff, especially now. It's very cool and, uh, uh, you know, was happy to do it. And I'd love to talk to you again in the future. So and, and love to see it. You know, we, uh, we we had some UK dates that were postponed last year. Um for for a variety of reasons um but i i definitely have to come back i mean i i love 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 england and and um so it's definitely high priority to be back um as soon as humanly possible so right. i look forward to that well, i'll keep an eye out for your london shows then hopefully the headliner team can come along absolutely yeah okay enjoy your evening and and be safe out there thank okay, you you too thank you so much nick Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.